Hello and welcome back to episode 2 of the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. Today I wanted to discuss a topic that was uh, most voted for on my Instagram story the other day. So we're going to look at how to start running. Um, I think this is particularly relevant given uh, the current situations around coronavirus and lockdown where lots of people are taking up running um, for potentially the first time or um, starting to get into it um, after some time off maybe. Uh, so yeah, lots of people are starting to jump into this kind of new fitness venture. Um, and I think there's just, there's some, I've seen it to varying degrees of success. I think that there's definitely some common pitfalls that people fall into um, that are relatively easily avoided and um, can be uh, planned around very effectively. So this podcast I wanted to talk about is um, looking at some, of, some ideas or some principles to follow. Um, getting into running and starting running um, then looking into kind of like how that relates to goals and priorities within running specifically and then moving into ideas around the the programming of a running plan so looking at that like on a weekly basis and then kind of longer out so like a monthly basis um, or sort of more long-term call it periodization so planning of a running cycle towards a specific goal maybe uh, and then finally, I want to kind of go over things outside of running. So like the, the prep work, so call it a warm up, cool down, whatever you want to call it. And then outside of that, then accessory work as well. So things that you can be doing that will benefit your running that isn't running. Um, so stuff from strength training to uh, other accessories that can be beneficial towards improving your, your running performance and uh, reducing injury risk. So yeah, starting off talking a bit about the uh, the background of of this idea so lockdown um within the uk and I, i'd imagine worldwide as well has been driving a lot of uh, increased uh interest into into running as a as a form of uh, exercise obviously it's low cost practically zero in fact if you've already got some trainers and uh it's it's accessible to everybody within reason um it's it's an easy modality to, to train within obviously you can go out and run Outside, um, it's kind of depend interdependent of gyms being open and access to fitness facilities and things like that. So it's definitely something that's seen a massive uh, uptake in terms of um, people just becoming interested in using running as a way to stay fit, stay healthy, and using it as a way of um, increasing their activity levels when they might not be able to do other other forms of training, perhaps within the gym or or what they would normally be doing. So looking at some maybe some traditional ideas around how people would approach uh, approach running and how they would approach the, the training of running. I think traditionally it's kind of a, and I know I've certainly in the past um, sort of fallen into this kind of mindset or this 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 uh, training methodology is, is to kind of go out with the idea of I'm going to run the furthest or I'm going to run the f- fastest I can every time I go out. So it might be a case of like, oh, I'm just going to go and run as far as I can in whatever amount of time. Or it might be like, I'm going to go out and run 5k every time I go out um, or something to that that effect. And generally this then, yeah, coincides. They both generally kind of go together in that I'm going to go out and run X distance every time I run. Or it's a case of like, I'm going to go out and run as fast as I can over a set route, a set distance that I, that I run out every day um, or every time I go out for that running session. Um, and that's just how I'm going to approach every session. I'm just going to go out and do the most, the furthest, the fastest um, I can every time and see how far I can push it then over sort of subsequent efforts. Yeah, I think this then kind of coincides with the idea of having distance goals versus time goals. So very rarely, I think I see people go out and say, I'm going to run for 20 minutes or I'm going to run for an hour. It's very it's very likely to be more oriented towards um, distance goals. So the, the idea is of like the traditional race distances. So something like a mile or 5K, 10K, half marathons or, or even longer potentially. Um, but it's it's very much centered in those those ideas of distance goals, which are reasonably arbitrary um, versus um, time goals. So it's kind of that distinction between like we're chasing these distance goals because these is what traditionally are done in a racing scenario, racing format. Um, so things like a park run, for example, where it's a set sort of 5K on, I think, near enough all of them. Um, that kind of idea of that's a fairly arbitrary goal that's based on 
um, racing more than anything else. Um, obviously, in them in those kind of like park runs, we see a huge, huge variation in the um, the time it takes people to run those. So anywhere from twenty minutes and less for kind of the more call it elite, so higher level runners, then anywhere up to forty minutes potentially or longer for for those that are sort of more um, novice within within running. Generally, then this yeah coincides in terms of training with for running is is fairly generic running programs, which I think. There is definitely a place for these, and um, I'm not necessarily trying to downplay how how useful some of these can be for some per- certain people. And I think some people can get huge benefit from these. But things like the uh, the Couch to Five K, or just any kind of generic running program that you might find on a running blog, for example, or from a specific individual that might be a runner or a kind of like prominent sort of social media figure within health and fitness versus maybe a program that's designed for you as an individual then we look at kind of the idea of general versus specific goals so i think a lot of people approach running potentially over this time with the idea of a fairly general goal of i want to stay fit and healthy and that's what they're using the running for that's why they've started running but they then have mixed in with that kind of their training almost with very specific goals they might be like i'm training for health and fitness but i'm doing a 10k running plan for example which potentially a bit of a disconnect between um, the idea of why they're actually doing the running versus how they're training for that that end goal. Um, so yeah, kind of ideas of having a general goal, but having a very specifically programmed or very specifically planned out um, approach to getting there. So those are kind of like some of the traditional approaches or most kind of common things, I guess, that people people kind of fall into when they start running which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think everybody has to start somewhere. I think starting is probably the um, the most important step. Like something is always going to be better than nothing. But there are then ways we can optimize what we're doing to greatly increase our chances of success. Um, be that in terms of performance, be that in terms of reaching our actual goals, or on another kind of note, be that in terms of uh, reducing the chance of getting injured. Um, so we can actually prolong the... Um, the benefits we can get from doing a program so moving now into uh, more ideas around the kind of like the goals and priorities we can um, we can focus on and then how they can then be backed up by specific principles or kind of more general principles maybe that we can apply to our our running or to our programming of that running um to yeah optimize the results we can get and reduce the the risk of um things going wrong so getting injured or potentially just not achieving our our goals so i think the first point to to make or the first thing to look at is a kind of making that distinction between performance versus health so this then falls into that idea of um the kind of the distance versus time goals um so performance in and of itself is a very separate um space a very separate kind of metric or set of metrics than than tracing health so these almost sit on two ends of a continuum. So you have performance on, on one side and health on the other. And they don't necessarily align in, in, in many aspects. I think traditionally we chase um, we chase one whilst sitting in the space of, of doing training within another. So there's, a, there's that disconnect there between what, which is which and what they both mean. Uh, and I think that's potentially where some, some of the issues with running, so some of the kind of ideas of injury and um, kind of mismatch performance or not achieving your goals or, or, or doing as well as you hoped because of that disconnect between chasing after health or, or, or pushing to, to increase our health or improve our health, but doing that through means of performance style training, which you can see this in lots of other areas outside of, of, of running where people are, are following programs that are designed kind of with a performance sense. So um, kind of like what athletes would be would be training to do, but doing that in order to, to achieve health. First off with that point is, is having like the idea of the distances of races. So um, we talked, I talked about it before, obviously, with that idea of um, having like the, the arbitrary distances and having those that be what we chase in terms of, well, that's what we're programming towards with the idea of like, I want to get fitter and healthier. So I'm going to try and run a 5k, a 10k or whatever, and follow a program that is designed towards pushing me towards that point. Or on the flip side, maybe not even following a program, maybe just like, I'm going to go out and run as hard as I can, or try and run as far as I can each time, 
until I get to that 5k or that 10k or whatever the distance might be. This is often coincides with the idea of having like a, a race, so the park run, for example, or any other race which might be across that five or 10k sort of distance. And you're like, I'm just gonna, I have a race in mind, I've assigned myself up for this race, I'm now gonna train there, train myself to get there. But still in the background of that, it's like I'm actually really doing this because I want to improve my health and fitness, not because I care too much about being a runner and being a high performing runner. Um, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, that mismatch of chasing one versus training like the other. Um, so, yeah, racing and distances in and of themselves are performance metrics. They are based in competition. They are based in performing to achieve a, a certain um, high level generally goal and within those performance metrics there's lots of things that we need to consider like we, we actually have to probably at some point worry about running at specific paces and running at specific speeds um, because obviously within the idea of doing a race you are doing it for time generally um, that that's not always true necessarily we're sometimes just looking to complete a certain goal maybe but generally as soon as there's that competitive element so it's a race that the stopwatch is going there's going to be some need to worry about specific paces if we counter that maybe to health um, and general fitness the time we have on the watch in terms of a specific distance is largely irrelevant um, you can get perfectly healthy you can improve your health and fitness without ever having to worry about um, specific paces, specific speeds, even specific distances don't really matter too much. It's more about the adaptations we're looking for and the adaptations we get from doing the training than it is the um, the output. So what, what we achieve in terms of um, very specific, quantifiable time, distance, speed, that kind of thing. So that's maybe the first point to make is that there's there's, there's, there's a difference between doing something to achieve a certain time or a certain pace and then doing something just for the adaptations and the benefits we get from that. So if we look at those physical health adaptations that come from running, for example, things like a decreased resting heart rate is a, is a good measure of um, health. Um, we know through kind of research, through study, through the science that a lower resting heart rate within reason and within healthy populations, it is is a beneficial thing. It's, it's a good thing. We're putting less stress on our heart, less stress on our cardiovascular system by having it working at a lower a lower rate. Think of it like a car. If a car's ticking over at a high um, sort of RPM, high revolutions, then the engine over time is going to break down and something's going to go wrong. If we can have that car ticking over at a much lower level, it's like more likely to be. Um, able to last longer and perform better and reduce the risk of something going wrong. Same idea with our heart and cardiovascular system. If that resting heart rate is lower and if it trends lower over time in conjunction with training we might be doing, then we know that that is of benefit um, to our, ourselves and our health. Increased cardiac output kind of goes in line with that. So what that just basically means is that our heart is having to work um, or isn't having to work as hard for the same level of um, output so for example like we might be able to do a run at a certain pace for example or, or do a run and our heart rate sits at uh, something like 180 beats per minute we then do the same run at the same speed the same distance whatever and over a course of six weeks of training it might drop so that our heart rate now works at 160 beats per minute for the same relative effort um, we've got an, an an increased cardiac output so our work heart is working less hard for the same level of output we then have yeah alongside that a lower overall stress on our cardiovascular system so if we get fitter if we improve our cardiovascular health we have less stress on that system and less stress generally is going to lead to less things going wrong within reason over over sort of prolonged periods of time so think like those that have heart attacks things like that that is a potential um potential sort of increase of that risk is if our cardiovascular system is not working um, optimally, not working to an efficient level, then we are generally going to be at higher risk of those sorts of cardiovascular type um, diseases, cardiovascular problems over time. Things like the heart attacks, things like, um, yeah, generally kind of like coronary heart disease, that kind of stuff, as well as obviously nutrition. But there is definitely an element there of um, excessive stress on our cardiovascular system because it's not able to keep up with the demands of um, general life these all come with kind of like a general focus like any kind of running training is going to help improve these things but these generally are going to be more health 
oriented um, adaptations that we're looking for versus performance ones. There are certain aspects of that that will lead into performance gains, but mostly these are kind of the adaptations we're looking for when we are chasing anything kind of health related. So in terms of running for health, running for fitness, those are the kind of metrics. So things like decreasing our resting heart rate, increasing our general cardiac output so that we can reduce the stress on that cardiovascular system um, are all things we're kind of chasing in terms of a more health-based benefit. Within that then, and looking then in more into kind of like the specifics of energy systems and how our cardiovascular system plays into that, you have then like the aerobic and anaerobic um, sides of that. So aerobic just means in the presence of oxygen. So it's going to be lower level stuff where we can take on enough air essentially to be able to fuel and drive the um, the training that we're doing. Whereas anaerobic is the, the opposite to that. So it's in the absence of oxygen. So that just means that we're doing something that's higher intensity. Like when you start to run harder, it gets harder to breathe and harder to take in enough air to be able to fuel that level of um, training. And by definition, aerobic training is sustainable. So we can do it for longer generally periods of time versus anaerobic where it is unsustainable. So we cannot sustain that for prolonged periods of time. And there's specific numbers. You can attach those in terms of like time uh, and intensities. But um, that's what we're kind of looking to adapt and looking to change. We're looking to be able to drive those different things aerobically and anaerobically and increase our capacity in both of those so that we are in, in effect fitter and healthier. So if we look at aerobic, that's the thing that drives our longer distance and our recovery as well. So you've got those two aspects to it. So it drives our ability to be able to go for longer and do things for longer. So that kind of falls in line with that increased cardiac output and the lower cardiovascular stress. But then also it then drives our recovery as well. So if we're looking at it from a performance side of things, aerobic training, so longer duration, much easier intensity is going to be what allows us to go for longer so like think like half marathon or 10k distances and upwards are near enough entirely aerobic and um they will be dry driven by our majority by our um aerobic systems our aerobic energy pathways within our body um and also then our recovery so think between higher intensity efforts between any kind of exercise or work intensity period we're going to be then needing to recover between that and it's our aerobic systems that are largely going to be driving that recovery. So improved aerobic system means better recovery. Flip side to that anaerobic, then that's the stuff that drives the shorter distances and the higher intensity work. So think 5K and under are going to be a, a larger proportion of anaerobic requirement that comes with that. Obviously, if we then go to the extreme of that, so down to like sprinting, for example, so like a 100 meter sprint is near entirely going to be anaerobic during that that interval obviously then afterwards it then shifts more to that recovery focus so that's where the aerobic system comes in but during the actual work interval so during like the 100 meter sprint it is entirely or near entirely anaerobic and then the balance between those and what we focus on when training is that's where the goal dependency comes in that's where it depends on what we're actually training for if we're training for um health generally aerobic gains are probably going to be what we want to be refocusing on more so than those anaerobic gains anaerobic gains and anaerobic system really comes into play when performance is the goal to a large part there are also always going to be kind of crossovers with these but to a large part anaerobic gains are what drives that performance so the higher intensities the faster um the increased output of, of certain things within our, our sort of performance metrics, whereas aerobic is going to be backing that up, certainly. So obviously in longer duration things, our aerobic system and our aerobic capacity and performance is what drives our ability to do stuff um, for longer or faster, even at those longer distances. But also then it's the thing that allows us to has, have a strong cardiovascular system, have a low resting heart rate, all of those health metrics that we talked about before. And the difference on this is dependent on the duration and intensity, as well as obviously then the performance versus health metrics of our goals. So if our goal is to run a marathon, a large portion of our training, a large portion of what we focus on needs to be um, aerobic. So it needs to be of that lower intensity, longer duration type type things. Whereas if we we're looking to run like a 5K, for example, yes, it still needs to be aerobic, but we also need to have then anaerobic portions to our training um, to be able to drive that kind of high slightly higher intensity and shorter duration efforts that we're, we're looking to chase 
then obviously alongside the performance as we kind of talked about performance probably needs a mixture of both so we need to be able to recover but we also need to be able to perform at higher and harder intensities so having a mixture of our anaerobic and aerobic gains our um, training essentially within any program we follow is really important whereas for health the anaerobic side isn't as important it still needs to be there in some some capacity but the aerobic gains largely what are going to drive our ability to improve our health um, and increase those metrics that we talked about related to our health. So that's kind of a brief overview maybe of the idea of performance versus health, what maybe underpins those slightly. We haven't gone into too much detail. Um, we could go down a lot of the kind of scientific route, but a lot, a lot of it is is largely irrelevant. It's more important like how we can apply these things versus the, the science that underpins them. There are a multitude of different um, sort of resources and I'll, I'll link some of them into the show notes as to where we can start to learn a bit more about the kind of the underlying mechanisms in terms of the science um, and the physiology that underpins these ideas. But if we're just looking to improve our performance, we probably don't need to know um, 90% of, of that stuff. What's probably more important is how we actually apply that. So then we're going to lead then into that idea of, of, of how we can apply these things and how we can train these different things through principles. So principles are things that exist irrelevant of the um, context. So they're kind of the underlying foundation of, of how we do things. Systems is a bit different. So systems is like a specific train of thought. So um, systems are a certain way of doing things based on maybe an individual and an organization, how they say they do things. But the systems are always based on principles. So principles are the underlying rules, essentially, like the rules of thumb that exist underneath all of these um, systems that allows us to improve our performance. Because if we adhere to those principles, if we follow those principles, that's what we need to be doing in, in order to, to be chasing the most effective and efficient way of getting, getting to our, our end goal. If we now talk in terms of aerobic um, principles, things that underlie our aerobic performance like the rules to follow if you like uh, there's been a kind of a big shift in maybe the last five to ten years towards kind of higher intensity work science behind it suggesting that it can help improve aerobic performance and i think to, to some degree yes there's going to be an element of that there and yes the higher intensity work can help in terms of aerobic performance but we have to look at it as you can't cheat this with hit so the high intensity interval type training has a place certainly maybe within a more performance oriented uh, landscape than health but we can't cheat aerobic gains we can't cheat long slow duration gains with high intensity uh, interval type training so looking at the said principle it's the specific adaptation to an imposed demand so what that means in kind of normal english is um adaptations that we get from training are very very specific generally to the type of stimulus to the type of training that we're doing so if we take that in then to context of aerobic training, we're only going to be making really aerobic gains. So get those gains in our aerobic um, energy pathways through applying a demand on our aerobic system. So if we're doing the high intensity training, that's not really supplying much of a demand on our aerobic energy pathways. And so we're not going to get the specific adaptations in terms of health and performance that we're necessarily looking for from that. So what does that mean in terms of... Um, are running um so aerobic tent training needs to be at a relatively lower intensity and relatively longer durations so we need to be working at probably anywhere under about 80 percent of our max capacity and that's a pretty arbitrary figure like it's going to be different for different people and um i wouldn't necessarily read too much into that as a figure in terms of like working at specific um paces or uh, heart rates for example at least when we're starting out I'd look at that more as it just needs to be like a general overall low level intensity and it needs to be longer duration. So we aren't going to tax our aerobic system enough from stuff that's probably under five minutes, for example, um, for most of us. If we are a very sort of at a very beginner stage, then yeah, maybe five minutes or less might be might be beneficial and there might be kind of specific protocols we can put in place in terms of like walking, running type um, drills. So mixtures of those that are going to help us um, improve aerobically um, at less than five minutes potentially but 
over time, less than five minutes, it's probably not going to be enough of a stimulus, enough of a stress on our aerobic system to really drive any kind of adaptation. So we're looking at five minutes plus and kind of you can look at it as like five to 60 minutes is kind of like where we want to be. And then obviously the goal dependent 60 minutes plus is then potentially going to become irrelevant or relevant with longer type um, events or longer type races, think like half marathons, marathons, that kind of thing. A good way to measure if we're working aerobically is if we are um, working at a sustainable pace and it is repeatable. These are not necessarily sort of hard and fast things, but generally will be good practice to kind of fall within these things. So what that means is if it's sustainable, it's a pace, it's a speed, it's a time that we can sustain for long, long periods of time. So it kind of falls within that five to 60 minutes. If we're working at paces that won't allow us to work within that time frame or whatever, say I'm going to go and run for 20 minutes, if I'm running at a pace that I can't maintain for that 20 minutes or longer, I'm probably not working aerobically or I'm probably not working within the kind of right levels and intensity that I'm looking for to be making aerobic gains. Equally, if I can't go and then run that and then repeat it after a short period of rest, I'm probably not working aerobically. We kind of know from um, what the science would suggest around how long it takes to recover the energy to be able to work aerobically again, that if we're not working um, within a repeatable model, i.e. if we can't repeat the same level of intensity or the same effort with a relatively short rest period, so think like one-to-one -one kind of rest-to-work ratio, then or less potentially, then we're probably not working aerobically. If I can go out and run hard for five minutes, if I can't then rest for about five minutes and go and do it again, I probably wasn't working within the right level of intensity during that five minute interval. That's not to say necessarily that interval training can't be aerobic, but the intervals and the intensities we have to be working at during those work periods has to be at an appropriate level to allow us to repeat it for multiple um, rounds, not just kind of like I do one, I rest, and I do another and it's way, way below that first. That's probably a good indication that we're not working aerobically. I don't necessarily think that there are sort of hard and fast like limits. Like there's not kind of to say like if we're working at this and then it drops by this amount, this isn't aerobic or this is aerobic. I think it's just a general rule to kind of follow. If it's generally at a sustainable level, i.e. I can go and do this, I could sustain this pace for way, way longer than the time interval that I'm working for. And if I can go and do an, an effort, a run, say I can go and run for 20 minutes, I can go and run 2K, I could then rest for a, a similar amount of time and then go and repeat it again at exactly the same level. That's probably aerobic. It's not to say that it's always going to be aerobic. It's not to say necessarily that things outside of that aren't aerobic. But as a general rule of thumb, that's what we're looking for. As a kind of like more real world um, type scenario or type uh, measure of, of that, and it's it's one that's probably lots of people have heard of before, and it's kind of like thrown out there a lot, is the idea of having a conversational pace for easy aerobic pieces or like that kind of all day pace, something you could hold all day. The conversational pace basically means can I, could I hold a conversation whilst doing this? Could I sort of speak in sentences of like 15 seconds or more, sustained and continuous throughout the entire effort? Now, this is not always going to be relevant. It depends on the type of training we're doing, but this can be a good way to measure um, intensity and um, limit it as well. So we're not going to go above a certain intensity when we're doing this because obviously then we won't be able to talk in those conversations. It's an easy way to do this is just recite the alphabet as you're running, potentially just every so often, maybe every sort of like five to 10 minutes, just run through nice and easily in a sort of like normal speaking volume, normal um, speed of like conversation, just run through the alphabet. If you can't get through most of the alphabet without having to sort of pause, take breaths um, and that kind of stuff, then you're probably working a little bit too hard for the kind of aerobic gains that we might potentially be looking for. Again, that's not to say that if you can speak for 16 seconds, you're working too easy. If you can speak for 13 seconds, you're working too hard. But it's a general rule of thumb that if we can't hold a, a reasonable level of conversation within what we're doing, we're probably working at an intensity that might be a little bit too hard for what we're doing. Moving then into kind of ideas around a little bit around sort of then the programming side of it, how we generally want to progress over the course of like a training cycle or a training program is with aerobic gains at least we kind of want to go from longer efforts and slower pieces then towards shorter and faster and this is relative to, to that same thing so it's not to say that we want to go from like running marathons to running 5ks but we want to go from relatively slower easier longer intensity things then into kind of like the shorter and faster and this is a performance metric now so if we're looking for health potentially we don't really have to worry too much about this 
we can just sort of linearly progress so progressing kind of like a real kind of like straight line making increases where necessary just to drive adaptation but we don't have to worry too much about sort of really chasing specific obviously if we're then building into ideas of performance this is where we want to start going from kind of those longer base periods so longer and slower things that are probably at or above the kind of like distances intensities times that we're racing in our actual races and then over time we want to kind of narrow that focus down um, and get shorter and faster towards where we're running at kind of like race paces so the the types of speeds and intensities that we're going to have to be maintaining during a specific race this then falls in line with the idea of time to distance um, so i think when we're starting out in running using time as a metric is much much more preferable over distance so obviously what we talked about before kind of the distances that we might be running are fairly arbitrary so a 5k for someone who's a new runner versus a 5k for someone who is an advanced or, or sort of higher level runner are hugely different so that 5k might go anywhere from potentially like 15 minutes up to 40 minutes if we then look at that in terms of the gains that those people are getting or the adaptations those people are getting from from that the person who's running it in that kind of 15 minute time window is getting much much different training stimulus than the person that takes 40 minutes to do it distance is largely arbitrary when it comes to chasing specific performance goals and they're a bit meaningless like they don't really mean a lot because hey yeah you can go and run 5k but it took you an hour for example like that's not what we're chasing necessarily I think you'd probably get much more benefit from from focusing on time goals like and progressing time in terms of actual time running and then like weekly monthly volume um i think it, it works a lot better so for example when you're starting out probably doing runs of like 15 to 20 minutes if you haven't had a lot of experience of running before is probably more beneficial than saying oh, i'm going to go out and run 5k or i'm going to go out and run this set route for example and obviously in terms of like actual planning, it, it can help to have routes and it can help to have kind of like markers of like, hey, I'm going to run to this point and then run back. But focusing more on time based metrics, so time goals rather than distance is, is a better and certainly more preferable um, way to progress our, our running over time. Yeah, and when we're starting out, especially fitting within that idea we then want to start with something called the med so minimal effective dose this is kind of an idea taken from medicine in that you have a, a minimum effective dose of a specific drug and this is the least amount you can take and still get adaptation still get sort of effects from that above what a placebo would be and why this applies to kind of running and training is that we want to be maximizing our ability to recover from the efforts we're doing and we don't want to be adding too much stress or like junk volume and this is a kind of a real pro prominent one within the kind of running that people just do runs and add extra volume time distance when they don't really need to be like they can make the adaptations from doing a little bit less and they can recover better from that and make more gains over time by doing this this minimal effective dose so what this might look like for a runner is like rather than going out and just doing another run because you you sort of think you need to it, it's it's planning it out a little bit better so that we are structuring our training a little bit more in line with what's going to allow us to recover and best adapt to the training we're doing rather than just adding more and more and more thinking about what can i take away and still get the same level of results um so how that kind of fits then into the idea of of, of planning out maybe like a, a week we want to kind of like i have the idea of like micro dosing so rather than just like the big hits i'm going to go out and do a massive run two times a week it's kind of like, right, can I go and do these shorter runs, but maybe do that over a five day period, for example. So then you're building into that minimum effective dose each time rather than just like the huge, huge hits that you take every time. And then the big recovery um, requirement of that every time you go out and do a run. So micro dosing in terms of like doing shorter runs, but more frequently versus the bigger, less frequent runs. I think it's a great way to build up capacity in terms of muscles, tendons, ligaments, like your joints as well to running versus if I just go out and do massive, massive distances relatively to your your level of um, ability. Every time I go and run, that's probably going to have um, overall less less improvement and slower progress and potentially more injurious or more likely to cause injuries versus microdosing. So doing the shorter, more frequent runs on a kind of almost daily basis or um, spread out over over a week. So a good uh, rule of thumb to kind of like um, think about in terms of uh, pacing for some of our runs is to have like a, a quarter of our goal time for intervals and that's going to allow us to build tolerance that kind of idea of that micro dosing so what we want to focus on is say i want to go and run a um, half an hour in total 
think like, right, I'm going to break that down into 15 minute chunks or even less potentially like sort of seven, eight minutes. I'm going to break that down into chunks and that's what I'm going to do intervals at. So I'm going to go and run for that time. And potentially that might be sort of on a, on a daily basis. So I'm going to run seven minutes over four days. Um, and run that seven minutes each day or the other side of that I'm going to run seven minutes I'm going to rest a little bit and I'm going to run seven minutes again and that could be kind of like I'm going to walk in between or I'm actually going to physically sort of sit down and rest I'm not going to do anything for that time um, but doing that is going to build up tolerance to to those kind of larger volumes but allowing in to set rest or allowing rest between so that we can properly recover still make sure we're working aerobically and also then um, allow us to increase over time the amount we can do it's very easy to track that versus like i'm just going to go out and run this set distance some days it might be a little bit faster some days a little bit slower depending on the weather all that kind of stuff it's a lot easier if you just sort of say that i'm going to break up this this goal distance this goal time into quarters or other intervals but you sort of say i'm going to break this up into smaller chunks and i'm going to do those smaller chunks with appropriate rest between either if that's on separate days or it within within a session and that's going to allow me to build up that tolerance over time to increasing my, my ability to run and ability to handle greater and greater distances and volumes. Transitioning now then into the anaerobic side of the training, so that the more high intensity elements. Um, so if we look at uh, anaerobic, so this is generally going to be stuff like faster, higher intensity running. Um, if we think about it in terms of like goal times, it's going to be things around like the anywhere from sort of three to 10 minutes, maybe longer is going to be sort of a purely anaerobic effort near enough um, in terms of what we're doing, or there's going to be a higher, higher percentage of anaerobic work. Obviously then we can take it out to the extreme of things like um, the short sprints. Um, so 100, 200, 400s type distances um, stuff that's going to be a minute or under is going to be nearly entirely anaerobic Any, anywhere, potentially up to like three minutes even is going to be sort of working within that kind of, entirely anaerobic window anaerobic energy systems if we then look at that in terms of longer stuff so it's generally going to be the higher intensity work so things like interval training where we're doing like traditional hit work workouts where we're working for hard, hard as we can for sort of a 30 second window and then resting and doing multiple sort of rounds reps of that that kind of um that kind of protocol um that's what kind of fits within that more anaerobic high intensity thing if we look about this in terms of benefits towards our health and performance um, on the health side, there's potentially not as many benefits. Like we're going to get some benefits in terms of like running economy, generally getting that kind of a higher intensity stimulus. But from a health standpoint, in terms of like the metrics we talked about before, so things like resting heart rate, um, cardiac output, most of those benefits are going to come from um, the lower intensity aerobic work that we're doing from a running standpoint, at least. Then if we look into sort of like the performance side of it, there's going to be more benefits from doing some of that higher intensity anaerobic type work within our training. So first off, yeah, it's talked about benefit to running economy. So running economy essentially is how much energy we use per step um, as we're running. So it's basically what we're trying to do is make our running a bit more efficient. So we're using less energy for the same amount of um, output, same amount of force that's going through our legs and into the or from the ground. And improving our running economy basically is like doing strength training for running so doing the higher intensity work is going to allow us to cope with forces better and transfer those forces better so that we're going to be more efficient and more economical for our, our running so we're using less energy for the same level of output which is is beneficial when it comes to performance because obviously we want to be maximizing the amount of um or maximizing the output that we have for the relative amount of effort we're doing because obviously if we can maximize how how much we can do for less energy we're going to get faster and we're going to get better and we're going to improve on our times we're going to run races faster and we're going to have less of a kind of physiological requirement or physiological sort of uh, cost i guess to what we're doing a good way to include this into our training once we've built a fairly strong kind of a aerob general aerobic base is to then look at doing things like intervals or they call them strides within this so it's short short periods anywhere sort of from 10 to 30 seconds potentially of sort of higher intensity faster work interjected or, or sort of spread out between longer periods of rest so we might do so for example 20 seconds um, or 10 second intervals with a couple of minutes rest in between at an easy easy pace back into that kind of aerobic aerobic sort of pace again so yeah this is this is allows us to have a really sort of measured and um, controlled 
exposure to those to those kind of higher intensity stresses so um the kind of higher intensity work that we want to do we're, we're kind of breaking it up into little chunks similar to how we talked about with the um aerobic intervals before but we're breaking it up into smaller chunks so that each individual chunk is not too much of an exposure and so that we can appropriately um measure and progress those over time without having to uh overstretch ourselves or um really put ourselves into too much of a kind of like a hole that we're not going to be able to recover from so yeah that's a good way to do it including those like those strides those those short intervals of higher intensity work spaced out between larger um rest intervals um can be a great way and very easy to progress that because you just add volume you just add more more of those intervals over time um and then obviously you can start to then increase the time as we go so whereas obviously in terms of aerobic training we're kind of generally going for longer and slower to shorter and faster with anaerobic training it's, it's sort of the opposite so we want to go from shorter and faster maybe then trying to push that out so go into then to longer and relatively far um relatively maybe potentially slower um efforts so we might go from doing those 10 to 20 second intervals maybe pushing up to 30 to 40 to 60 seconds even if not slightly longer once we get to around that kind of uh two to three minute window that's that's when we're probably pushing then into that aerobic speed again and the speed and the intensity is just going to be too low for it to be a truly anaerobic effort so that's where kind of like the limit of that but we're kind of building up over time from those um harder and faster intervals into trying to stretch that out as far as we can in terms of the time and the um the sort of volume that we're doing um this is an incredibly potent stimulus so this is this is this is one that's has a big sort of a debt attached to it like in terms of recovery so yes this is going to be really good and it's going to really drive lots of um adaptations but also it's going to require a lot of um recovery and potentially um if too much is added too soon this is when there can be like an increased chance of like overtraining or injury risk or things like that in terms of running a good sort of rule of thumb with this is to build a really strong aerobic base first and once we've got to that level that's when we can then start to add some variations in terms of intensity and adding more of this anaerobic or higher intensity work into the mix um, with our training so building a good base is priority number one and then once that's been um, done based on our goals so this is not relevant to every goal this is not necessarily relevant to health as much as performance but once we've got to that level where we've got a strong aerobic base we can then start to add in maybe some of these higher intensity work within measured and small doses first and then over time we're looking to build on that volume and try and stretch that uh, higher intensity work out to where we're more towards where we're going to be within a race type scenario a good general rule with this is to have an 80 20 split so this is taken from lots of endurance runners and it's called the pareto principle so it's a applicable to lots of other kind of areas in terms of business and um, productivity and things like that. But this idea of having an 80-20 split, so 80% of our time wants to be within a lower intensity lower intensity space. So in this, in this instance, we want to be doing aerobic running training. Um, and then that 20% split of our potentially weekly, monthly, whatever volume will then be in towards a higher intensity um, sort of uh, standpoint. So over a week, this can mean that we might do a couple of days where we're at a low intensity and then we might do one day where it's harder. Um, you can also fit this in with a, like a high low principle. So for every hard workout you do, there should be at least one, maybe another lower intensity, easier workouts, just so that we know that we're spreading out our volume and intensities correctly over a week so that we can best adapt to those, um, those training stimuluses that we're providing through our running program. Moving then from this point into uh, talking about actual programming. So this is the nuts and bolts. This is what we're kind of interested in, in terms of how do we actually apply some of these principles in terms of daily and then weekly training structure? How do we actually put together a training plan that's gonna take us from starting point to our, our kind of our end goal where we want to head? An important point to note about this is where do we start? So I think we should start with a goal. Um, if you're kind of having a fairly directionless attempt, it can it can, be hard to kind of really see where you're headed and what you're aiming to do. I mean, I'll, I'll talk more about this in future podcasts around kind of goal setting, definitely. But um, this is an interesting concept around if we don't have a goal or, or any kind of clearly definable um, end result from where we're headed, it can be very hard to to lay anything out in terms of like an actual process towards achieving that. If we have a goal and it, it doesn't have to be hugely specific necessarily, it doesn't have to be kind of like a real performance metric, like I want to be able to run that 5K or run that 10K. But if we have something that we're aiming for, it makes things a lot easier to plan towards and it makes things a lot easier to then track and measure towards that goal. From there, it's then looking at the idea of um, generic or general versus specific. 
there's a term n equals one, which basically in this context means that everybody is an individual. Everybody has individual abilities. Everyone will adapt individually to a certain stimulus. It doesn't mean everybody's going to adapt to the same thing. So what this means is that, yes, we want to follow these these same principles regardless of who we are. Um, and there's, there's underlying foundations to all of that. But we also want to accept that we are an individual and how we are going to respond and adapt to a certain program is going to be largely dependent on a lot of different factors that are specific and individual to us so yes following a generic plan can be helpful but we want to be able to adapt that to our specific um uh, requirements and needs so for example let's look at like mo farah for example uh, an incredibly accomplished distance runner versus someone who's just starting out on like the uh, couch to 5k for example if they tried to follow the same program they're going to get wildly different results Potentially, if it's a harder program, Mo Farah might get more benefits from it. If it's a, if it's the beginner doing the hard program, they're not going to get as much benefit from it. So it needs to be appropriate to the level you're at. So what this means, if you have a generic plan, you're probably going to get generic results. That's where we kind of have to look at, like, it should be a little bit more individualized and biased when I'm saying this probably. But this is where having a coach or someone who understands how to adapt a certain plan for you as an individual can be can be hugely beneficial. Outside that, just making sure that the, the plan you're doing or the program you're following is actually appropriate to your level and your your intensity and your um, starting point rather than following a program that's not meeting you where you're currently at. Um, so once we kind of got that idea of working backwards, so we've got our goal, we've realized that we want it to be specific to us, we look at then planning and where do we start in that planning. So I think periodization, periodization which is the idea of planning a training cycle over time with different phases towards a goal is, is one that's taken from kind of a performance metric again so if we're training for general health and fitness we don't necessarily have to worry about planning out massively specific phases that are going to take us towards a very performance um, based goal so look at this like a marathon plan for example if we're following a marathon plan it's going to have very distinct phases that are working us towards that that end goal that marathon distance if we're just training for, for fitness and health um, we don't probably have that need or have to have those those very specific phases in quite as much detail as whether we were then training towards a performance-based goal of uh, running a marathon, for example. Um, so what this means in terms of actual application, we just want to go by um, general adaptation. So we, we don't we're not looking too much to 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 chase after very specific times distances. We're just looking to generally add more volume and intensity over time towards a, an end point where we, we've achieved whatever goals we're, we're looking, measuring things like, yeah, like our resting heart rate um, and things like that as metrics versus, oh, I've managed to run this distance and I've at this speed and I've managed to run this distance at this speed and that kind of thing. So starting out, we always generally want to build a base. So that idea of building that aerobic base, so a strong aerobic capacity, whereby our energy system, our aerobic energy systems are, are strengthened, are um, improved, and we have things like the lower resting heart rate, increased cardiac output. We can sustain those efforts for longer periods of time at a relatively higher level than before. Those kind of things are what we want to be measuring in terms of like um, our aerobic base and this is really where we we have the majority of our easy easy work so it's building out volume of really easy sustainable repeatable aerobic um aerobic work so this looks like the long slow runs that we might have and that could be micro doses we talked about before so it doesn't necessarily have to be lots and lots of really long runs it can be just lots of smaller easier um, intervals or easier runs that we're doing over the course of a week over the course of months and building that up slowly to where a point where we can handle greater volume and potentially greater intensities at some point it should be a steady build we shouldn't jump one one point straight up to a really high level the next week um it should be steady like generally like weekly increases is kind of it's thrown out there is like increases of like five to ten percent on from week to week is generally seen as kind of a, a good way to progress things but that is it's dependent on the individual some people are going to be able to handle more or less but around about that area is probably okay um, and I, I'd look at this in terms of uh, increasing your weekly overall volume so like if you say for week one I ran overall an hour's worth of training and then week two I ran an hour and a half for example and then week three two hours and then week four two hours and a half and then so on and so forth over time and that's a good way to track overall working volume 
and, and then track obviously how you can increase that over time. Again, sitting within that kind of 80-20 split. So if we're gonna do higher intensity or harder sessions, we probably want at least 80% of our overall work to be easy. And then that 20% can be where we can start to push things out. And that can, that can shift either side of that kind of split, but generally that's about where we want. So on a weekly basis, what does this look like? So I think generally wanna go from shorter to longer. Um, so lots of people have that idea of kind of that long weekend workout. So you do your long run over the weekend. I think this can work really well. So we generally want to go from shorter, maybe slightly more intense stuff at the start of the week and then build out to the longer, slower things at more volume at the end of the week. I think this just sits nearly really nicely within most people's kind of weekly working schedules as well. Um, allows you to sort of increase that volume and get exposure to those longer runs, but also then keeping your week steady. So you're actually building as you go through that week. That then follows obviously that high to low intensity. So when we're doing shorter stuff, we can do it harder versus the longer stuff, which we can't do necessarily as intensely, um, as well as the volume wants to be the opposite to that. So we start off with shorter, so lower volume and build into those higher volume pieces. And those kind of things are inverse. So intensity and volume work opposite to each other generally. And then we can build in that high-low principle. So we talked about a little bit before. So that idea of if we do a hard workout, we probably then want to follow up with one, maybe two easier workouts just so that we get enough time to recover from that high-intensity stimulus before we um, go into that next period of high-intensity. Equally, from the low-intensity stimulus, we want enough time where we're then working a little bit harder maybe in between that so that we can vary the adaptations we're getting. We're not just doing everything at the same level all the time. If we then build that out from the week, then into the month or an entire training cycle, maybe we're then looking at like the specific focus might change across those different sort of months, those different cycles. So we might go from starting off building that base when we're beginning to then trying to build out a bit more like uh, capacity past that at sort of slightly higher intensity, slightly higher volumes. And then we're looking maybe to drive output. So the difference between capacity and output. So output is the things we're looking to drive for a performance metric, whereas capacity, we're just looking to build up volume at a certain intensity. So the difference in terms of running, we might go from just doing lots and lots of easy, um, non-specific running. So lots of just easy, general, low intensity work, and then into more specifics. Now we might be looking to drive certain distances, certain times, um, speeds, that kind of stuff um, for more of an output focus. So we're looking to really try and increase that intensity versus just maintaining and building capacity and building volume at one level. This then fits exactly the same in terms of anaerobic work. So we're looking to, at the start, build up our capacity to handle higher intensity work. And then over time, as we build up that capacity, we're then looking to increase the output. So we're looking to actually get harder and faster in terms of our higher intensity work that we might be doing. So if this is like hill, hill sprints or if this is the strides within a workout, over time, what we're looking to do is increase the volume initially so we're going to try and do more and more to build up a capacity at that higher intensity and then over time we're then going to look to increase that capacity or increase that um intensity so we're looking to work harder if i then break this down and give a kind of actual um actual example of this so over a week we might start out on say monday or the, the first day and we might do a 15 to 20 minute easy easy run we then might maybe take a rest day afterwards or we might do another one 15 to 20 minute easy run over the next day we might then bump that up slightly so we might then do a 25 to 30 minute run and in that run we might include some uh, a short period of maybe five or six 20 seconds strides so slightly faster kind of think like um a few sort of minutes per mile minutes per kilometer faster so we want to have a noticeable increase in our pace and then we drop it back down and have a nice easy period in between those different strides we then might build into a slightly longer one or the same idea and then maybe at the weekend we go into our longer run so we might go and say i'm going to run for 40 to 60 minutes at an easy pace really slow steady and longer volume or longer in um sort of duration than i have done through the week rest on sunday and then back into it again on that monday with the same cycle as we go through we might do that for maybe a month and each week we might try and add a little bit to each of those runs. So we might try and increase each run by like five to 10% in terms of the overall time. We might then get to the end of the month and be like, cool, we've got a nice strong aerobic base now. And now we can start to do some more sort of specific stuff into our next cycle. So next time through it might be, I'm gonna run or work towards running a 10K for example. And so I might be doing specific distances and times and certain paces on certain workouts or certain runs that are then going to align with the the goal time i have for finishing that 10k 
in two, three, four months time, for example. And that's kind of how you generally might lay out that time. So going from that weekly kind of overview to then into the month and the focus for that month and then into subsequent months towards where we get to, to actually achieving our, our specific aim, our specific goal. Moving now, I want to talk about um, prep work. So this is kind of the idea of like a warm up like before our, our runs, what we might be doing before our sessions, maybe what we're doing to essentially prepare ourselves for the, the session that's coming up. So the run, the physical demands of that in terms of our muscles, our lungs, our heart, all that kind of stuff, and how we would prepare for that. So warm-ups are an interesting area. I think there's different and conflicting viewpoints on these a lot of the time. Some people say they're not necessary. Some people might have the kind of flip side of that and say, oh, you need to be doing a really long sort of 40, 30 minute warm up before every session and I think this is largely dependent on the individual I think this can sit in both places I think if you look at it in terms of um, humans evolved to run so we probably don't need to be doing a crazy amount of, of, of work before that because if you think about it, like cavemen they didn't warm up for 30 or 40 minutes before they went out um, and had to chase after something like an animal for example they just kind of cracked on and did it they, they just got straight into it so I think we don't have to be too crazy with the warm ups we do but I think there are certainly some things that we can start to include that are potentially going to have some benefit towards um, working towards our, our running. So is it necessary? Maybe. I think it depends. Like certain circumstances, certainly like warm ups can be useful. But on the flip side of that, I don't think we need to do, be doing excessive amounts. Generally, I err on the side of start cold, finish warm. So we want to start out with something where we're working nice and easy. So if we're going for a run example, we might start out just walking for five minutes. And once we've got well, walking at a kind of a, a fairly solid pace, we then can kind of transition into then that run um, where our heart rate and our kind of muscles are, are warmed up in the sense that they are prepared then for the task that's ahead. Obviously, the idea of finishing warm, we start cold. So we start at that easy level and we then go into it. I know certainly I've had the experience, and I'm sure lots of people have, where you go out for a run and just get straight started into it. And it takes you a, two, three kilometers potentially or 10 minutes before you're feeling comfortable and into that. And all that is is that your heart rate is is suddenly spiked really high versus if you kind of slowly, gradually build up into that, there's going to be less of that kind of quick transition and then um, sort of fluctuation as it kind of gets gets used to that new that new running stimulus that you've just provided instantaneously versus obviously with that if you kind of warm up into it a bit slower so if you start off walking um, elevate your heart rate slightly and then it's not so big of a jump when you then start into that running a general rule of thumb to follow is do what you feel you need but no more so we don't want to be doing excessive amounts if you feel like you need to stretch if you feel like there's specific areas that you want to kind of stretch work on mobilize before a session then then go for it i don't think it's going to simply have too many negative effects but if we do too much then that's where there's a problem if we're spending 30 to 40 minutes warming up before every session that's it, it's way too much at that point we're probably just not following the right program because if we need that long to warm up before our session something else is wrong somewhere in the session that means that we have to require that much work to get ready to do our session so I think along that same idea, the best prep work is appropriate programming. So it's kind of a bit of a weird concept, but um, if we're having to excessively prepare ourselves to do our workouts and our sessions, then they're probably not at the right level for us at that current time. Or it means that the volumes and intensities across the rest of our program are totally misaligned with where they need to be for our current ability. So as a starting point, if you're needing to do lots and lots of prep work, it might be a case of like thinking, what can I take away rather than add in so it's that same idea of that um minimum effective dose so we want to work out what's like the minimum i can do to get the same level of results rather than adding 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 all the time we want to think about right what can i remove from this this plan this situation and still get the most results because that's going to, what's going to allow you to increase your performance the most and also recover the best between between sessions Again, now looking at uh, accessory work. So this is the kind of stuff outside of our running that we might be doing to improve our running. Uh, again, it, it, it comes down to, is it necessary? Maybe. For some people, doing extra work outside of your running might be hugely necessary. But if you're a complete beginner, you're just going to get lots of um, 
specific adaptations just through running itself. So you don't need to necessarily worry about doing accessories outside of that. For those then maybe that are, are leaning more into that kind of performance realm, there's certainly some things that we can start to include that are going to improve our performance and reduce our injury risk. Um, things that come into mind when we think about that is um, injury as a concept comes mostly as a result of either previous injuries or as cha like significant changes in volume intensity without appropriate kind of lead up into that. So thinking about that in terms of accessories, if we are just suddenly spiking the, the load or the volume that we're doing in, in or the intensity we're doing in our running, that's when we're probably most likely to be injured. So again, the accessory for um, running is just to plan appropriately rather than having very specific exercises or strength sessions that might help just planning out our training a lot better to fit within the kind of the appropriate level for us and within the volume and intensity that we can currently handle and recover from is probably a lot more beneficial in terms of accessories and finding those those exercises those specific things that we need to do or add in again it's an idea of what can i take away and still get the same results so thinking then maybe on the flip side to that, what are some accessories that might be beneficial towards running and towards um, performance and injury prevention? Um, generally, most running injuries are going to be obviously in the lower leg or around the hips. And that's where we kind of see most of those injuries. It's generally going to be a chronic injury rather than acute injuries. So obviously, if like you get hit by a car, for example, that's an acute injury. That's the one instance of something that's happened to cause that injury. Chronic, on the other hand, is kind of things that build up over time. So it's like overuse injuries is a common one within running. So things like knees, if you're putting your knees through movement patterns over time, those things can build up and, and then cause injuries potentially. But to avoid that in the first place, what we want to do is not have huge spikes in volume or load. Or if we know there's somewhere that we've previously injured and we keep doing the same things on that, all we're going to do is potentially injure ourselves in exactly the same way. So thinking about how can I adjust my my overall program to better accommodate for this injury um, before we worry about adding in extra things. But that said, there are some things in terms of strength training and um, plyometrics, isometrics, so holds that we can do that are going to be beneficial towards our running. It's a bit of a hard format on a podcast sometimes to, to sort of explain some of these things, but um, I, have, I have and will be putting up plenty of things onto my Instagram. In, in sort of terms of like specific drills. And I know I have in the past put some things up, but some general ideas of um, things that we wanna focus on, like running is is a sort of single leg activity. We're obviously jumping essentially off of one leg and landing on the other and doing that for huge amounts of volume. So training single leg things like lunges, split squats, or variations of like single leg hinges, for example, um, like deadlifts or um, hip thrusts are, are going to be hugely beneficial so essentially strengthening all the muscles that sit around our knee and hip joint um, and sort of our lower leg in general is going to be beneficial towards um, increasing the strength for those muscles and those uh, joints so that we can then be a little bit more injury um, or, or reduce the injury um, risk that, that might be associated with um, overtraining uh, and with uh, excessive volume in terms of running on those joints. Outside of that, then we can look at things called uh, plyometrics, which essentially is um, sort of jumping and bounding drills that are going to uh, increase the um, help with energy transfer and and having strong joints as well. So obviously we have tendons and ligaments which sit within within our joints and attach muscles to joints and attach muscles or, or sorry attach bones to bones. Strengthening those those can come through doing the plyometrics. So we're not using necessarily as much muscular effort, but we are sort of relying on those those kind of um, almost like elastic structures to kind of rebound and transfer force effectively. And if they're not doing that, that's when we can potentially injure those things. That's when they can potentially get torn or or sprains and things like that. So doing those plyometrics where we're doing bounces, things like uh, pogo jumps, which I'll link in the show notes, a really good um, demonstration that I show doing those and kind of why they're beneficial in terms of increasing the the stiffness and the um, ability of our ankle joint to uh, absorb and then transfer forces um, more effectively when we run, which is going to build into having those joints being stronger, as well as also then allowing us to be more economical. So it's building into that running economy that we talked about before. So those are just some different sort of areas that we can start to focus on in terms of running strength training. But I think 
it's important to note that most of the benefits we're going to get in terms of running are just going to come from doing more running and building that up over time and building up at an appropriate volume and intensity so the best way to get better at running is to do more running and do it in a way that's um correct for the level that we're currently at so if we're always pushing too hard or doing too much volume that's potentially when we're going to limit the amount of improvements we can make and also potentially then when we're going to get injured doing those things as well so i'm going to leave the uh, first podcast or the first proper episode there um i think covered quite a lot in terms of the running uh if anybody has any specific questions please just reach out to me in terms of just uh send me a dm or message me on instagram um you can email me um or just reach out in any way um, through my social media or email and let me know if you have any questions around the specific content we've covered here or if there's any other questions about anything else. If you want edit any more information or want to check out some stuff on my website or Instagram, then go ahead. Um, my website is just Apex Delta Coaching uh, and Instagram is the same. So Apex Delta Coaching, um, if you just search that, you'll find me. Um, and you can then reach out to me or you can see some of the content I'm, I'm putting out around uh sort of strength conditioning, fitness, uh, running, that kind of stuff. So in the show notes here, I'm going to include a load of resources in terms of around running and aerobic and anaerobic training and um, then some sort of activities or or drills that you can see um, that will be beneficial towards uh, the running as well. So those things like the pogos and maybe some strength exercises as well that might be useful for for runners. Yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and gained some kind of knowledge and and ideas that you can go and apply in your running Um, if you have any specific questions around how it applies to you just reach out and let me know and i'll be more than happy to help and try and explain um, how best to approach these concepts and these principles for your own training specifically i hope you you gain something from this and uh looking forward to talking to you again soon